This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Nee. A very exciting Wednesday evening because football is back. Does that excite you, Chris? Back. Yeah. Back, baby. Yeah, and the summer boredom has come to an end, thank God, because it was a rough summer of boredom for people. Oh, message board was a special, special place the last couple of weeks, but we can focus on football now. It's here. FSU concluded. Day one of preseason camp. Oh, it, and Chris, this is one of my favorite formats when you and I get together and get to just kind of bounce ideas off of each other about the football program, what we're seeing at practice. There will be a format for this like in the next uh, week or so where I think we get more in depth, like position by position stuff, what we're seeing once the pads come on. Today, it's just yeah, day one. Oh, yep, yeah. we will do that. We will certainly because Chris and I both love to do that. But right now, I think this is more of an overview episode, quick takeaway in and out of what we got from FSU day one to me chris i thought the big thing was it felt it's gonna sound like a bad thing but i don't think it is and i'll let you elaborate on it because i think we probably feel similarly about this it felt like a continuation of spring practice which to me is kind of a positive thing yeah it was kind of boring to be honest but i say that in a good way i mean coach norvell spoke afterwards they did a lot of install and that's not coach speak they did they did more install today than i've seen at the first preseason practice at fsu Oh, and probably about six years um, since the last Jimbo year, because every year it was a new coordinator, new things. Things were still changing. This felt like we installed, we talked about things so much in the spring with so many guys who have been here now for multiple years who understand what we're trying to do, how we're trying to go about our business, how we operate on a daily basis. That when they walked out there today, they went about their business. It, there wasn't a lot of talk. I, I did not hear the coaches near as much as a normal practice in the last couple of years where you felt like, for every minute or two of action, there was also a minute or two of instruction. That wasn't the case today. Today was action on action on action. A lot of big bodies, a lot of people moving around. Good bit of heat, which I think is probably a good thing to test their their metal and their mental capacity on the first day of handling it all and seeing how they are physically, where they stand after summer conditioning program. But uh, yeah, all in all, it was kind of a mundane, a little bit boring, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that speaks to a team that's prepared to go about their work and kind of invest the time here with playing a week zero game and getting preseason practice started a little bit early to get prepared for what's coming this coming season. I think the fact that I pointed this out when me and you were speaking after practice, when you did your preseason depth chart projections, much of what we saw today as far as first and second team action, obviously they didn't do a ton of team stuff and they didn't get really way into that as you would later in camp. But for what we saw today, versus what we expected, pretty mirror image, which means spring kind of held true what we saw there. It's the case, the things that they went about doing to build a depth chart, those things kind of all proved to be true. And I think that speaks to 
the bigger point that Norvell made yesterday that there is somewhat of a foundation finally set here for his program. And now it's about kind of prospering because you've learned a lot of lessons through experience. That was my takeaway too. You mentioned with, with coach Norvell and what he said at his press conference on Tuesday uh, ahead of the first day of spring practice was about that foundation and establishing like expectations of people, players knowing what to expect from coaches and vice versa coaches knowing what to expect from players. And to me, that continuity from the spring, uh, both with the players and kind of that depth chart that you alluded to, Chris, like kind of being more or less the same as it was exiting the spring, but then also just like knowing the scheme, knowing where to be, knowing what to do. If there was a mistake, it was something like small that Norvell's coaching up or that a coach is, is getting on a player for. It wasn't. Or a player. Uh, yeah. There was yeah, also or a player that. get after you see, player. You see much more player on player practice moments where guys are talking veterans or guys who understand what's asked of them like a Tatum Bethune he's not an FSU veteran but he's a veteran of the college game who can explain it to one of those younger guys if Omar Graham's having a moment where he's not understanding the concept they're trying to execute he's got Kalen Deloach and Tatum Bethune who have been through it and others in that room who are there to explain it. it's just you, you see a lot more of that hands-on application and that I think that allows everything to move at a much better pace yeah it's just there's signs of it becoming more and more of a a healthy program. I think it running like an organization that you want it to. And, and that's not to gas up like win loss stuff. Like I, I think we're still looking, I think I always have to get that caveat. Like this isn't about this team becoming one that starts maximally overachieving and starts contending for an ACC championship this year. This is about that baseline of competency that we talk about so much and that cohesiveness and consistency being to kind of seep in and like, okay, at least, you know, like there's, there's a baseline, there's insurance now, there's something that's moving in that general direction. Uh, and I think we we saw that in the spring, we heard about that in the off season. And today, uh, a small sample size, but it kind of points to like, okay, that's continuing to move in that direction. Uh, uh, another thing that adds insurance, Chris, offensive line depth. Uh, you want to talk about yeah. protecting yourself from the worst case scenario, which we saw unfold multiple times last season. We've talked about the numbers. We talked about the guys they brought in. 10 new offensive linemen, four of them transfers. To you, can you paint a picture like what that looked like today to actually kind of see that line depth uh, in person? Two moments that kind of spoke to me on that. One was uh, Alex Atkins explaining what an offensive lineman is supposed to do if the ball is on the ground as far as dealing with a fumble, get on it, push it in the ground, get on top, consume it, don't try to pick it up, don't try to be a big man doing things. But he's talking about this, and it spans very far to his left and very far to his right that he's talking to, like, almost 20 guys about it. And that that's just one of those moments. I got a good picture of that. I don't know if it made the gallery or not. Zach put the gallery together. But I had a good wide lens photo of that, basically, of all of those guys looking on. The other thing was when they were working as a position group outside, and, you know, they work right where you come in through the gate. It was like they consumed the entire area, and it was multiple stacks. It was different areas. It wasn't five guys lined across from five guys in one spot with maybe a handful of other guys staring on. It was a group of 10 here and basically another group of 10 over here on the other side working simultaneously. And that spoke to a bigger picture of practice. There was a whole lot of split repping in the sense of everything going one half of the field this way, one half of the field that way. So more people are getting more reps with more depth with a first and second team and a third team and a fourth team. And, you know, they just, they have a lot more bodies and they have a lot more bodies that look like they're supposed to at the positions they're at. Very few guys who 
I would say look like they don't belong at the Florida State level. Uh, I don't think we have to get into the specifics today when we start getting yeah. into some of the the weeds with the the different position groups. I think we can start to kind of get into that a little bit, but by and large, like especially like the transfers, like you want to make sure if you're allocating resources and scholarships to players coming in and uh, being guys who are expected to play right away that that they look the part, right? You don't want to be these giant projects. The offensive line, like Demetri Emanuel looks like what you expect. Yeah. Uh, Big old boy. A fifth-year guy. Right yeah, he's a left he's, guard to look like. Yep. Yeah. A little sawed off, but yeah, looks the part. Jason Turnitin, I mean, that that's what you want an offensive tackle to look like. Uh, no pads today, just helmets and obviously jerseys and, and pants as well. Uh, they were dressed. pajamas, as Mike Norvell said. <laughs> Is that what he said? Pajamas? Yeah, he said uh, we're out here. I think he said we're out here running around in our pajamas or something like that, <laughs> making the point that it's not real football. You're not hit. Right. You're not going a million miles per hour right at each other. Bullets aren't flying, but it's still getting after it, being active, having a good pace and working hard. And I think they were pleased with all of that today. The, the the body types look like more or less what you wanted to. And, and people on the message board, Chris, are asking for like, oh, who looks drastically different? And the thing is, like, I thought like in the spring we saw progress. Like Derek McClendon looked like yeah. he overhauled his body in the spring. And that just continued to stay the same. Like I maybe DJ Lundy as someone who looked markedly thinner uh, and yeah. slimmed down. But Lundy's not- body is different. Tafasi's a huge kid. Uh, I mean, he's a newcomer, but he just looks apart. And I mean, we knew that as a recruit, but seeing him in, do you see the, out there. Do you see the video the moment, that Zach put out of, of A.O. Tafasi? Yeah, where today. Odell told him to remember that the person working with him doesn't have pads on. Like, take it easy on the Yeah, the, yeah. The, the GA doesn't have pads on. He's like, oh, whoa, hey, whoa, it's, whoa, it's, whoa. it's better to tell him to calm down than have to giddy up as one man wants to. Can you say it in your Jimbo voice? Part, so. I'd rather, I'd rather yeah. tell him whoa than giddy up. <laughs> So, uh, Tafasi is a guy, Dennis into? Briggs is a guy, McClendon's a guy, versus a guy, and I know they're all D linemen, but they all look the part of what guys on that position look like. Josh Farmer's another one. Cooper's a guy who's lost weight, definitely looks better, a little trimmer. I mean, Robert Cooper's still a very large human, but Robert Cooper of five years ago, four years ago, when he was a recruit coming in here, versus Robert Cooper of today, drastically different, really, really good looking. On the other side, O-line, we mentioned some of them, Emmanuel, Jasden. Uh, Dylan Gibbons, big guy. I mean, some of those guys, you know, they got bellies. They're big dudes. They'll trim up a little bit as camp goes on because that's just a natural order of business. But they're such bigger bodies. It doesn't look like when FSU gets off the bus that you're just going to be like, man, I got to get pushed around in the trenches because they're just simply not big enough. That feels like it has gone away, especially there. Big. There are some big guts, G-U-T-S, on that offensive line. But as appropriate as I could be, like – Big everything else as well. Like everyone looks bulky on that offensive line, which is a, uh, to me, uh, seems like a pretty good development. Uh, I said something kind of awkward and was hopeful that Chris was going to tease me and kind of save me, which is kind of the chemistry of the show is I say something awkward and he saves me, but he's having mic issues right now. So that forces me to ramble and further no, I have no mic issues. the awkwardness. Oh, you seem like you did. You muted yourself no, no. and started moving your camera around. Okay, we're good. You didn't have any mic issues. No. Can you hear you me? Sound, you sound great, but you're saying that you never mind. We don't have to we don't have to get off on the tangent here. Uh anyways, offensive line, I, I think kind of start to look the part of what you want it to. That's really solid. So the trench plays, like there are things that just physically you could see right away it look different on both sides of the ball. That that's good. Excited to see what happens in the next few days when they get pads on. There are some non-trench guys that I would include in that category. Uh you know, Trey Benson. Trey Benson is oh. a really good looking football player. 
Yeah. Uh, Kalen Deloach again. Chris, what do you think about him playing kickoff returner? That was the thing that Mike Norvell mentioned the other day is like getting looks at that. And that seemed to be a pretty polarizing thing on message board and Twitter. He was there today uh, along with Deuce Band. I, about, you know, I don't other get guys. why it would be polarizing, I guess, because of the injury history. But, you know, hey, I guess you can't wrap them in bubble wrap when they're playing football. So plenty of guys get injured in non-contact situations when they plant their leg and things blow out. You know, that's, that, that's how Trey Benson got hurt to, football. to begin with. He got hurt in a non-contact. Right. So like the, the idea of we can't have him doing that because of the, you know, what would be a return total for him in a year? Maybe two dozen. 20 like, at the I, at the most you, if he's you the can't only guy. you can't live and oppose a fear of a guy like that if you think that dude has the opportunity of putting six points on the board returning a kick you put him there yeah i agree and look at what mike norvell did at memphis too like darrell anderson was returning kicks i'm pretty sure tony Pollard was returning kicks uh, tony carter uh starting cornerback for them was returning kicks like you want the special teams to be good and plenty of people were not happy with special teams last year. You put your best players on special teams. That's kind of how you remedy yeah. that. So anyways, Trey Benson does indeed look the part, Chris. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some, I mean, Jamie Robinson's in tip top shape. Um, you know, he, he just, he keeps going and going and going out there. Akeem Dent's a guy who definitely looks like he's ready for his money year type of guy. Um, yeah, didn't I really mean, notice I, those guys, but like in a good way today, like I thought they just, they were, Solid I love watching Jamie world. cover guys. I, I, we were talking about this too. The thing I love about Jamie is he loves one-on-one coverage. And obviously as a safety, he plays a different role than we see out there in practice when he's at the line playing one-on-one. You know, more often he's in space reading, recognizing, reacting. But when he's lining up with a guy and having to run 20, 30, 40 yards down the field, he loves to change your line. He loves to kind of force the topic. And I, I just enjoy that. Like so many corners – or DBs will kind of play off the receiver. Jamie forces receiver to a degree play off of him. I just, I enjoy it. It's fun to watch. And he does it with guys who are really talented. Ja'Kai Douglas is an example. Ja'Kai Douglas is a real tough dude who, who gets off the line really well, gets down the field really well. And Jamie gives him, in my opinion, the most issues in the practice setting of anybody. The secondary in general, and this is one other thing when we talk about continuity, and this is a storyline that was, you and I were interested in kind of like, I guess, fishing in and like exploring and, and delving into even back to ACC kickoff. It's something I talked about with Adam Fuller on an episode of On the Bench about a month and change ago. And that's like the, I'm using this word again, continuity, because uh, it is it's such a persistent theme to me and such a big part of like Florida State potentially taking another step forward this year. That's so evident on defense, right? Like that's that's where you have pretty much everyone back other than defensive ends, but everyone in the backside or the back end is pretty much back. Sands Jarvis Brownlee. I think from a communication standpoint, like the guys who really matter in that back seven are there. And Jamie Robinson, Akeem Dent are, are two of the main guys with that. But there was a there was a play today in which I, I don't want to get into the intricacies of the play per FSU's like practice access policies, but something happened preset to where the defense saw it and said, Oh, it's gonna be blank. And the safeties call out to the linebackers, blank, 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 like look for this. Sure enough. That play happens, and it's Tatum Bethune, who's coming off a groin injury, not 100% by his own admission, but someone who uh, we mentioned, like, very instinctive, very smart. Uh, He flashes to the sideline, gets there quickly, makes a play. Uh, And it was this perfect, to me, Chris, like, culmination of pre-play execution with the safety communicating it to the linebacker and then the linebacker executing it. And, like, bam, that's what you want. That's growth. Yeah, defense is so much about reaction, but when you're able to 
pre-play diagnose things and communicate and kind of understand one another, how you operate, it goes a long way. And much of that defense that's playing together played together a season ago. Now some pieces have been plugged in. Tatum Bethune's an excellent example of that. But Tatum Bethune's made him a lot better. He's improved his position immensely by kind of pushing everybody down the depth chart a little bit and giving a guy who has a lot of veteran reps and understands how to play the game at a high level, and it makes him a lot better. But, yeah, I, and coaches have talked about that. It took him, I mean, heck, it took him the entire preseason and into the Louisville and Syracuse games last year for that defense to start figuring some things out. They're not going to have that same issue this year. Um, you know, last year as they were trying to kind of figure out the pieces for the first team, it took a long time. This year I feel like it's more about figuring out pieces for – second and third team, the next guy up, who's the next defensive end that helps him after those top three, yeah. you know, sub what packages. linebacker is going to step up after Bethune and Deloge, sub packages. Uh, one of those cornerback spots I would say is up for grabs. It's definitely one of the position battles. You wrote about position battles going into today. One of those cornerback spots is definitely a position battle worth watching in camp. But I even think that spot is going to be fairly well determined before game one. I think they'll have a good idea of which guy they want there. And I think the good news for them is whoever doesn't win that job, they feel pretty confident as their number two. Yeah. There's, there's a nice like easiness when you talk to, we haven't talked about preseason expect. We haven't talked in the preseason a ton about expectations, but I remember last year, Chris, like the narrative that the coach staff was giving to uh, recruits and uh, even talking to us like, they were putting a number on it. They're saying like six wins or so, like was kind of a reasonable that could help them like sell things on the recruiting trail. I guess is how I would put it. No one's given me a number this offseason. I don't think they're going to, but I know in talking to the coaches on record, off record, uh, people on staff, people throughout the program, that there's this sense of ease. And I think you see that like Mike Norvell when he talks about the team. Like I feel that when Adam Fuller was on the podcast yeah. last month, I felt it. Like these. Again, this doesn't mean eight, nine, ten wins. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is uh, they don't feel like they're going into football games this year uh, ill-equipped, uh, outmatched, overwhelmed. I, I think that's what's changing, yeah. and I think we saw that again today. Yeah, I think the deficiencies are less, which is always important. The talent is better, which is obviously important. But I think more so they feel like they have a roster that is their roster, and that's kind of in line with the thinking of what they're trying to do and how they're trying to go about it. And I, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I've talked talking to people the last few days and they'll ask me, what do you think of some of the things that the coaches have said here in recent days, especially like yesterday when we spoke to so many of them, mm -hmm. what do you think with what you've seen of the team? I think the coaching staff's a little bit bullish. Um, and I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to set a number there, but I think they can't, they believe they can maximize what they have and be, probably a little better than the projections of the preseason, you know, fifth in the Atlantic, for example, in the ACC predicted order of finish via league media. I think they feel like they have a shot of exceeding that, of being better than that. And, you know, they've been consistent with that. Like messaging with this group isn't one of those things where I feel like it's, it's up and down and inconsistent. They're pretty good at kind of knowing who they are and what's going on. And I'll give them credit for that. They've been pretty good about that for the last two years year one it was so tough to do that because you just weren't around your football team enough to you know get a great read on things but it's been much better since they've had more of a hands-on presence with their bunch and they're allowed to misread things like just because they feel confident doesn't mean that's going to materialize in wins and losses like it's some, yeah you know, it's all, not some magic all football formula. coaches are 
naturally optimistic like that. Right. That's just that's but it's different. Like said. All all football coaches believe they can win all games, and that's what they want to do because that's how they live. That's how they operate. Um, you know, it's funny. I, you talk to most coaches, the ones who have hundreds of victories, and they're usually going to tell you about those ones they lost because that's what sticks with them. It's just that's how they're wired. It does feel a little different though the way they're talking about it this offseason. I think would be my my takeaway, and and that's noteworthy. I'm storing that away. I'm remembering that. I'm providing that context for myself throughout the season. Uh, we talked about the defense I, briefly. I oh, go ahead, Chris. I I don't want to veer off course too much, but I think one thing that needs to be said about win loss and projections like that: you can be a better team and win a few more games, and actually be a much better team than you were when you won uh, won a few. Well, you win eight games versus five games. You may actually be drastically better than that three-game improvement says. There's so many other things, who you play, when you play them, who you have available, what they have available. There's so many things like that that, you know, people love to get hung up on win and loss record. And I know at the end of the day, that's what gets people hired, gets people fired, extends contracts. But th- there's nuance to those numbers, too. And I, I do think FSU is a much better team. I also think the ACC Atlantic is pretty damn good. Yeah, I would argue it's probably better than it was a season ago. That's why when we've kind of talked about those numbers, I've been hesitant to push that total higher. But I do think FSU is a much better football team than I watched last year. Uh, I'm sure I'll write about it at some point. But the Bobby Bowdenism of lose by a lot, lose by a little – win by a little, win by a lot. We're in year three. That should be win by a little territory. And that and that's what, what you just outlined, being a better team, but maybe not reflecting a ton in the win-loss record, but just being the point where you're not outmatched in games and where you're coming out ahead more often than not. That's what win little is to me. Like you're you're not necessarily winning by 20 points or three points, but you know, you're, you're starting to win more often than not. And you're finding that victory in the margins. And, and that's what you're aiming towards as a program. Um, all right. So last two things I want to get to, then we'll get out of here. We talked about the defense a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the offense real quick. Again, really tough to tell day one because no pads. Uh, I thought Jordan Travis looked like what you want him to. He was, he was solid. He had five or six completions in a row and seven on seven. No bad catastrophic throws, bad decisions. Uh, he looked noticeably lo- a little bit thicker to me. I wouldn't say 220 to 225 pounds, but, you know. Bring bring a scale out tomorrow, put it on the ground, and when Jordan's running in, just make him stop. Can I also Check get him and AJ Duffy to stand next to each other? No, we're not doing the height, too. I, 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 <laughs> a man has to have a code. But uh, we can do the weight every day. It'll be like Weight Watchers. We'll just weigh him in every day. He'll get a couple sure days that- off here in the next 30, but we'll do it. I'm sure that's going to go in a positive direction for me as he continues preseason camp. Uh, but but he looked he looked good. He looked in shape. He looked as thick as he ever has. Uh, phrasing, and uh, was moving well. Uh, and and uh, you mentioned, co- you mentioned how players are coaching other players. Like I saw that from him. I saw him pulling guys to the side. Him taking leadership. Him having that nice calm demeanor today. Body language was good. Like all right, that looks good. Uh, wide receivers. Eh, wasn't the best day like it wasn't awful it was just fine it was kind of a slow start yeah, settled in a little bit as it went on you know Winston Wright can only do so much right now he's not doing much in practice I don't want to say too much on that subject but I think well, people Mike, understand Mike that Garvel based talked on preseason about it. comments right yeah, yeah um, we can, they, they quick, miss we can say not that. having him go ahead and say what the uh what Mike Norvell said Chris so let's just I don't I don't remember exactly what his response was today but he spoke about an ACC kickoff and it's that 
Winston's doing a phenomenal job of his rehab process, working really hard at it. They they love the effort he's putting in, but it's got to take its natural course, and that's and where he's at right now. He said he was out there doing some kickoff returns today. I think that's a good way to describe yeah. what 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 yeah. Winston Wright's able to do right now. But Fair enough. He is a guy that I wish they had. Like I think that position group, it's kind of like Tatum Bethune effect at linebacker. When you can put a guy on top of the stack, it allows everybody to slide down when you feel a little bit about better about where they slot. Micah Pittman looks fine. He's good. Uh, you know, Spring kind of proved that to us. Johnny Wilson, there was still the good and the bad. Makes some really difficult catches look easy. Also let some balls hit the ground that he probably shouldn't or he doesn't hold on to them. And, you know, it's many of the things we talked about in the spring with the wide receiver group, the good, the bad, those are still prevalent. It's still a group that I'm super uneasy about. Uh, it is better, but I don't know if it's enough for what they needed to truly do to go from where they were last year, abysmal, to where you want them to be to be a more balanced offense, a better passing offense. The, the way I, I view it, and I think today – is emblematic or going to be emblematic of what it is in the season. There'll be fine performances. There'll be days, games where there's a hot hand, but in general, when things kind of get mucked up, slowed down a little bit, when the defense kind of starts getting in a routine and a rhythm, feeling good, who do you have? That's that go-to like who's going to get us on offense into that, that rhythm, who's going to counter it and give us something. I, I think that's what they're probably missing. Chris is that true. Number one is what I'm trying to say. I don't think that is omnipresent right now. I don't want to make too much of one day, but who is no, the best receiver today? No, let's do it. Let's hype it all up. Let's make today. Uh, Ontario Wilson or Malik McLean. Okay. Those were one, two for me. Okay. And then next man up would be Micah Pittman, I presume. Uh, he was kind of quiet from what I saw today, but that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm my eyes are all over the place. I could have missed something. All right. So my were, bigger point with were you, this Were you trying is, to make a point that I didn't help with? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You were fine. You were fine. Pokey Wilson's name that I wanted there. Okay. The fact that Pokey Wilson is still kind of that guy that we're talking about leaning on, I, that doesn't make me feel great. And then guys are allowed to get better. I do think Pokey has improved. And Pokey is capable of being a good contributor, but I still wish that position just had more. I guess that's where I'm at. Like I, I'm so hopeful that over the next four weeks, watching them prepare for game one and forward on from there, that you see others in that room a guy like Tron, for example, I would love to see Tron just become a good, consistent pass catcher day in, day out. He'll have moments where he makes phenomenal catches. We'll also have days where he really struggles. Johnny Wilson falls in that category, too, at this point. He's kind of allowed to because he's still relatively new to it all here. But, like, I just need more at that position. I guess that's where I'm at. I'm yeah. There's no position on this football team that concerns me more for what they need to be versus what I think they are than wide receiver. I was going to say tight end. Tight end would probably be one. But that's a you little... need your receivers to be really good. You can yeah. live with a mediocre tight end room. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, you don't have to run them out there. You need receivers. You're not going to win football games if you don't have a good receiver room or a guy you can rely upon when you have to have that play in the passing game. For sure. So that, that's – I think everything we want to get to with day one, the, the big picture stuff, again, we'll get into the nitty gritty sometime, probably in the next week or so when we get to actually see uh, multiple days of practice, nothing like just making a bunch of, of general takeaways after, after two hours of watching the practice. But, uh, but when the pads come on and we're able to see that consistently, I, I do want to get more uh, into those details. I think that'll be a, a fun podcast uh, format and, and fodder for us. Uh, last question for you, Chris, you mentioned it. 
it was really hot out today. There were a lot of guys who struggled to finish practice. It was a question that was brought up on the board, like, oh, should we be concerned about conditioning? That wasn't my takeaway, but yeah, I'm a pretty optimistic person too. Uh, did, did the guys kind of struggle with? I'm not concerned. On I think on day one, uh, you got to remember there's an adrenaline dump. I think there's an adrenaline dump for everybody that does this, where you're first practice, last senior practice of your career doesn't matter. That first one of the preseason you're amped up for. And I think that brings about some natural bounce back. Um, and you combine that with a day that was extremely sunny, pretty humid, and at times downright really hot. It is what it is. It's not overly concerned. Now, if you see it repeatedly throughout the next month, leading up to a 5 p.m. kickoff in late August, that's probably going to be pretty humid. Yeah, it's a concern. But after one day, nah. Adrenaline dump was my nickname in college. You really stuck the landing there. I'm proud of you. All right, despite the joke, uh, Knowles 24-7 is offering a 60% off promo right now. Uh, sign up now at Knowles 24-7. I think the deal goes through about a week or so. It'll be a pretty long-lasting deal. Uh, timed up perfectly to go along with uh, preseason Next camp. Next Friday. All right, so yeah, we can change. So, a, a, a really lengthy 60-day uh, promo, but don't wait till next Friday. Do it now because you're going to forget if you don't do it now. So uh, you sign up for a year at 60% off an annual discount or annual uh, membership. I am biased here, but the coverage we do wall-to-wall team stuff, especially the recruiting, it's as in-depth and thorough and consistent and accurate as you're going to get anywhere uh, in the FSU market. So uh, please uh, give us a try if you haven't. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've been on the fence, I promise I'm not anywhere near as obnoxious on the message board as I am on the podcast. It's a whole lot of other things going on in the message board than me, so it works out well. Uh, also, we're on YouTube more now. Uh, so you can check out the Knowles 24-7 YouTube page. We're trying to beef that up, be more consistent with that. And the fellas at X's and Knowles, check out the work that Kev, AB, Trey are doing as well on their YouTube channel. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with Knowles 24-7 in, in our little uh, network here. So please check it all out. We appreciate the uh, – is it the patronage? Is that the right word, Chris? I'm sorry. I hey. tuned you out. All right, for On the Bench, for Christy, I'm Brendan Sedone, sticking the landing. I gave you 30 good minutes. <laughs> you did, it's 30, 30 seconds you checked out. <laughs>
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 